welcome to First Things First on a Wednesday morning. Jenna Wolf, Nick Wright, Kevin Wilde, and Greg Jennings is with us. So yesterday, Nick picked his all-NBA teams, right? And he did it with the vote that he currently doesn't have from the league, but we'll discuss that another time. The dust oh, is settled. Did he get it right? We will let you know. Have to throw that in there. What would no NFL preseason look like for Cam Newton or Tua or even, say, Tom Brady? We'll discuss. And do the Lakers have enough talent around LeBron James to win a title this season down in Orlando? Antoine Walker will join us to discuss that. But we start this morning down in Tampa with the oh, new look, new footage. feel, newly infused offense of the Buccaneers. Loaded with talent, there's Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and fourth-year tight end O.J. Howard, who is very bullish on what Brady and that offense can do. He said, one thing about Tom, I watched him for years in New England. He's always in the game. I think that's something he can bring to our team. No matter what the score is or how it starts in the first half, I think you always have a chance to win when it comes down to the final minutes of the game. He'll keep it close, so only time will tell how good we are. But I think when you put us on paper, we're one of the best in the league, if not the best. Strong words there from O.J. Howard. Our friends over at Fox Bet have the Buccaneers, guys. Their win total over-under at nine and a half games this season. So, Nick, with that in mind, is it more likely the Bucs overachieve or underachieve this season? Well, life's all about setting expectations, Jenna. And with O.J. Howard talking about they could be one of, if not the best team in the league, with our friend at Fox Bet saying either they're over-under for wins is at 9.5. To me, unfortunately for Tom Brady fans and for Bucks fans, it's far more likely they underachieve and fall short of that than overachieve because what, what would overachieve mean? Win the division? When you're in the same division as the Saints, win, the, win a couple playoff games, get at least to the conference championship game, a place that has been in the AFC, essentially Tom Brady's birthright to at least appear in since he came in the league. I just, I don't see it for Tampa. Now, what Tampa does have going for them is, while I don't know that Brady's going to win all the close games late the way O.J. Howard talks about, Greg, he's not going to kill you the way Jameis Winston did. Uh, the great Warren Sharp was talking about the importance of scoring on defense on Twitter yesterday. And he put out a video of 25 defensive scores from last season. And I watched it. It was unrelated to this, obviously. But what I saw in that video was Jameis Winston all over the place. There's seven different games. All of a sudden, people are taking Jameis Winston passes and scoring for their team. Brady's not going to have two pick sixes, much less the impossible seven pick sixes and 30 interceptions Jameis had. So that will help the team immediately. So I, I'm not discounting that. Even at age 43, Greg, Tom Brady's not going to be a turnover machine. But I think the expectations for the Bucks have been ratcheted up high enough that overachieving would mean, at a minimum, a conference title appearance. And in the stacked NFC... I just don't see that as a realistic possibility for them, Greg. I, I disagree. I don't see how they underachieve. I, I, I definitely see them overachieving. And when you look at history of, of teams who have rosters that are set up and they insert a quarterback, they have success, whether it's uh, topping their record 
uh, the previous year by one or two years. You look at the Minnesota Vikings when Brett Favre did it. They were 10 and 6 uh, the year before mm -hmm. he came. And then they end up going 12 and 4 and losing in the conference championship game his first season under center with the Vikings. And then you look at Peyton Manning in the Denver Broncos. They were 8 and 8. They lost in the division. Uh, the uh, while the division round in the playoffs and then 13 and three tied for the best overall record in all of football and they lose in the division round again. Did they overachieve? Yeah. Did they meet their standards? No. But I look at the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven and nine team. They finished uh, sec or third in their division, second or third in their division. It's not about winning their division, winning even the conference. It's being better than last year. And I think that they will definitely be better than last year. Now, in-house, they feel like they can win this whole thing. And I think there's a lot of us that see them on paper that understand what a quarterback who, what you just mentioned, who will not turn the ball over, does for your team overall but specifically defensively he will make them a better team defensively which is where they were stinking hmm. last year offensively even though Jameis Winston turned the ball over a lot they were top five in offense so they were able to put the ball in the end zone and keep the ball moving moving the chains I like this team I think they overachieved hmm. well first of all Greg Fantastic shirt. That's sort of distracted from your entire point. The shirt is so good. <laughs> uh, but also, I, look, on paper, O.J. Howard is right. They've got a great wide receiving duo, and they've got a great tight end duo. And the question is, will the duo of quarterbacks that they used to have and they currently have actually fit the bill? So, look, most reception yards by duo, Godwin and Evans, 240-90, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, and Amari Cooper and Gallup. Look, there's, Bucks are the best. And then we look at the tight ends. Oh, O.J. Howard best yards and then old Gronkowski even though he took a, a year off now here's the question Nick I don't know if this is going to work uh, with old Tom Brady do we assume that Tom Brady is going to round all the edges of the Bucks offense Jameis got sacked a lot more Brady meanwhile was throwing the ball away scrambles Jameis out there trying to make stuff happen Brady is not going to do it again he's going to throw it away and interceptions Winston at 30 and Brady at eight so Nick the question is I know the, I'm going to say national media likes to lay all of this blame on Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston couldn't couldn't even see. Mm -hmm. So, but I right. believe some of this, the problem here is Bruce Arians offense. And I don't know if Tom Brady is going to sit in the pocket and, and, and be willing to take those hits and if this offense is going to work at all. Well, I think that you're going to have off. I've never believed that a coach or an offensive system should just be the system irrespective of who the quarterback is. Right. And so mm -hmm. we talk about this a lot with New England and their transition. It, what system they were running for Tom, they should run a different one for whether it's Cam or whether it's Stidham because they're not t Tom Brady. And a similar scenario should happen when you are starting the oldest quarterback going into a season since Vinny Testaverde that we've seen in the NFL. Like, you, you can't ask Tom Brady to take five and seven step drops and to take a bunch of punishment. But I'm going to throw something back to you, Wilds. I'm going to describe a player, and you tell me if you can think of who this player is. The 2017 okay, season ended in a heartbreaking playoff loss where the quarterback threw for a bunch of yards, but the team lost anyway. 
2018, the player, the quarterback, started the year off playing great, then showed a marked decline as the year went on, certainly at the end of the year. And in 2019, that quarterback was seemingly unrecognizable to any previous year of his career. Who did I just describe? I don't know. Well, the problem is, I could have described Tom Brady, or I could have been describing yeah, that's what Cam I you were Newton. Trying to make me say, oh, okay. and well, it's Tom Brady or Cam, and it's a bit of a Rorschach test for how you view sports because both guys, 2017, Cam loses in the playoffs, throws for 352 touchdowns in New Orleans, they lose anyway. Brady throws for 500 in the Super Bowl, they lose, not their fault. 2018, Cam starts great, falls off at the end of the year. 2018, Brady starts great, does not play well at the end of the year. They do win the Super Bowl, but that they scored their defense allowed three points in that Super Bowl. Brady threw two, tried to throw three picks in the AFC Championship sure. game. 2019, right. uh, Brady looked nothing like he'd ever looked before. I am more bullish on Cam because, to me, it's very recognizable why Cam was bad. He got hurt. Other people are more bullish on Brady because they blame the weapons. I think with Brady, it's recognizable why he was different. He's 43 years old. He's on an obvious, clear decline that is not going to fix due to age, Jenna. And so it is there. If you believe that Tom Brady is just going to continue to be ageless, then you should say the Bucs are going to overachieve. But if you believe he has shown the signs of age and decline and that there's not going to be a shot in the arm by changing situations, then I don't know how you can think they're going to do anything other than underachieve, Jenna. Well, that's the question. You wonder if the only way that this Tampa Bay offense is going to get off the ground and overachieve is if they change the whole thing and make it revolve around what Tom Brady can do, and then you wonder what he can do. And by the way, if you look league-wide, Fox Bet has just four teams with a higher win total than the Bucks right now, so pretty bullish on them. Coming up, hey, why isn't LeBron the projected MVP ATN? That's according to Nick. First things first. What? Have you ever had muscle pain? I'm talking stop you and your tracks will never work out again. What am I going to do kind of pain? This is the kind of pain Dr. Jason Worsland was in when he created Theragun, the deep muscle massager that's unlike anything you've ever felt. Theragun isn't a cheap massager that just tickles your muscles. Their handheld percussive device uses a scientifically calibrated combination of speed, depth, and power to release the deepest muscle tension. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, you can use Theragun. Theragun is the preferred muscle recovery device for over 250 professional sports teams and used by hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers around the world to reduce pain, increase range of motion, and soothe aching muscles. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com cadence. For a limited time, our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That's theragun.com cadence, theragun.com cadence. All right, Antoine, let's, let's talk some NBA awards now. So yesterday we learned that award voting will be conducted from now until July 28th and will be announced during the playoffs down there in Orlando. Yesterday, Nick unveiled his picks for NBA awards. All right, Nick, let's do this. Take us through the list. You're all NBA teams, and then we'll discuss. 
Yeah, so first team to me is, I think, very straightforward, Antoine, as long. The only question is, are you going to call Anthony Davis a forward or a center? I'd put him at center. Those That gives you the best first team possible. Second team, Kawhi obviously has got to be there because when he did opt to play, he was excellent. Pascal Siakam carried a team that lost Kawhi to the two seed. Jokic was great after the first month of the season. Chris Paul, people thought the Thunder were going to tank this year. They've been the best clutch team in basketball and Russ gets overlooked even though he's giving you 28 8 and 7 again this year your guy Jason Tatum he makes a third team good oh, yeah. for him Chris <laughs> Middleton giving you 50 40 90 Bam Adebayo one of the most underrated players in the league Dame averaging right around 30 and Ben Simmons who's probably going to finish third in defensive player of the year that rounds out my first second third team with respect to Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry who got just left out Antoine, obviously this is the perfect 15-man lineup, but I, I assume you might have some minor critiques. Well, I saw this. I was I was a little disturbed, but obviously by you keeping Kawhi disturbed. Leonard off the first team. Yeah, you kept Kawhi Leonard off the first team. Lucas should not be on the first team. He should be on the second team. Kawhi should definitely be on the first team. You can't make an all-NBA team without Kawhi. Don't get into the, the load management. He is one of the top three, four best players in this league. He should definitely be on there. Chris Paul is too high on the second team. He should never, Chris Paul should never be over Damian Lillard on our NBA team. Damian Lillard's having an unbelievable um, season. He should wow. be on the second team. And on the third team, you missed out on one player. You should have plugged in there. Chris Paul should not have made uh, any all NBA teams. Bradley Bill is missing. Uh, no, Bradley Bill is missing oh. off your third team. Averaging 30 points a game, six assists. Four rebounds. They're in the playoff hunt. He's having an unbelievable season. He should be on your third team. But you almost right. hit a home There's run. So you many... missed, just missed a few. Well, Listen, Antoine. Antoine, so many things. Out. First of all, you're putting Bradley Beal ahead of Chris Paul. Bradley yes. Beal's team has 24 wins. Why can't Trey Young get involved then? Trey Young's averaging 34 and 9. I mean, who cares? They only have 20 wins. What does it matter? Like, if wins don't matter, Chris Paul has carried the Thunder to a top five record in the West. Like, they're a game out of what would have been having home court advantage. That's why he's ahead of Dame. Dame, oh, Chris, Dame doesn't Chris have Paul. enough help. Uh huh, go ahead. I'm going to make this argument. Chris Paul, Chris Paul is a part of a three guard offense that has played unbelievable. That's why Chris, it's mm -hmm. not just Chris Paul. He's a part of a three-guard offense, and they dominate late in games. They know how to handle they get They're great in the pick and roll. They do a terrific yeah. job of getting great shots late in games. That's where the difference is. If it was just Chris Paul turning that organization around, he's been a big part. Don't get me wrong. His leadership has been incredible. But the other two guards, Shea Alexander and Dennis Schroeder, have been terrific as well. That's been a great three-guard offense. We haven't seen that in a while where you see three-point guards able to play together. And they've done it okay. terrific this okay. year to be in the fifth seed in the Western Conference. Okay, couple things. One is, why are they great late in games? Why does that three-guard lineup, Dennis Schroeder, who's never been a huge piece of winning since his Atlanta days when he was in a reserve role, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's in his second year? Because Chris Paul's putting him in the right spots. Because Chris Paul, the ultimate floor general, that, is controlling everything late in these games. That don't make you all NBA second team because you can control the game okay. in the fourth quarter. 
That doesn't put okay, him in that, well, in that I, category. I, when, you, when you're talking top 15 players in the league this year, Chris Paul is not one of the top 15 players this year. Okay, He's been great. Okay, well, then you're not going to really, take that away from him. You're really going to hate got rewarded. my he, MVP He's voting. one of the top 24. He's, he's, listen, he's one but, of the top 24. He made the All-Star team, Top right? 24. Real oh quick. Gonna, real quick, yes. though. Okay. I just want to say one thing about Kawhi, because you said I get, you gotta, can't have a first-team All-NBA without Kawhi. Well, then we got to rewrite NBA history because he's been in the league damn near a decade. He's made it twice. Two times he's been first-team. Oh, Kawhi Leonard always makes first-team All-NBA. Didn't make it last year. Didn't play the year before. And if you're going to put Kawhi on there, it, you, it's a forward spot. So I guess you're saying LeBron moves to guard, Luka moves down. Luka, by every measure, has been better than Kawhi. And even though Luka suffered an injury this year, he's played more games than Kawhi. But we, I mean, I... The Kawhi stuff, it's enough. But Jenna, go ahead. I know we have to talk about other things, but it's, a, it's enough. I want to bring, I, I bring Wilds in, and let's stick with CP3 since that seems to be the topic du jour of this segment. You had some issue with where Nick had him ranked in the MVP voting, in the MVP ranking, right, Wilds? Well, no, I mean, I, I liked where he had him, and it also be, might be because I just like Chris Paul as a guy. He had him third, but then he's like Antoine said, he's on the second team. So I thought he should have been on the first team. Antoine wants him out in the, you know, the parking lot somewhere on the 10th team. So, Nick, can you go through the <laughs> rationale, which I think makes sense, on why you have Chris Paul three, but he's on the second team? Yeah, so I've got Chris Paul ahead of Luka and Harden in the MVP voting, but uh, behind Luka and Harden on All-NBA. And it's because All-NBA is supposed to celebrate who has had the most outstanding season. MVP, it's outstanding plus contribution to winning. And we've got a historical precedent for this. Let's go back 60 years. This is maybe my favorite NBA season of all time. This is how MVP voting went. Elgin Baylor gave you 38 and 19, fourth place. Oscar Robertson, triple double, third place. Wilt Chamberlain, 50, 25, and played 48 and a half minutes a game, second place. Bill Russell, a pedestrian, 19 points a game, wins the MVP vote. You know why? Because he contributed the most to winning. More contemporary, let's go to 06. Now, I think the voters got this one wrong. I think LeBron should have won the MVP. But look at the numbers of the guy who did win MVP, and then look at LeBron and Kobe. It's because they said Steve Nash contributed the most to winning. A couple years later, go to 08, when Kobe won an MVP, another one that, if we're being honest, LeBron should have won. LeBron hasn't beat in everything, but Kobe won it because his team won 57 games and was far better than the Cavs team that was coming off the finals appearance and actually had a bit of a down year. So to me, there's a wild, there's a historical precedent for MVP voting does not necessarily mean most outstanding statistical campaign. It is who are the people that have contributed the most to winning? And to me, Wilds, I believe Chris Paul, nobody in the league contributed more to winning for his team other than Giannis and LeBron. I know evidently Antoine thinks he should be, you know, maybe <laughs> playing in the, the basketball tournament right now <laughs> al along, alongside Joe Johnson. But I, I think he's a very valid third-place MVP finisher this season, Kevin. So, a Antoine, I'm going to kick two questions to you. One... Overall, how much do you view team wins? Um, how much should they factor into these awards? And two, do you think that MVP voting or All-NBA voting should be pushed back and include the playoffs? 
No, I like the way you do it. It's a, it's a regular season. It's a regular season award. I think that, that I'm fine with that. Would have been a regular season award. Just to touch on this, Chris, um, Chris Paul should not be third in MVP voting. He should never be over James Harden in MVP voting. Don't get me wrong. I love Chris Paul. That's my boy. I oh, love I him love to Chris death. Yeah. He's had, oh, okay. I that's a Nick move. He's had a, he's, he's had a, he's a, he's <laughs> yeah. had a terrific season. But when we start talking about these awards, we're talking about the elite guys in the league that are carrying the torches, MVP. They've had a great year. I'm going to say this again. That's a three-headed monster that's going on the OKC. That's not a Chris Paul just dominating and really controlling things. Dennis Schroeder and SGA? I guarantee if you ask Chris Paul, he would talk about the development of those yeah. two guys have been unbelievable. Yeah. And they share. Because he's a great but leader. MVP. Uh, and you know who's a great leader? MVP off. votes. I, I got to stop you because we could have this conversation all day. We got to get back to some NFL. What is the latest news? mean or could mean for Cam's chances of starting week one. It's next on First Things First. If Bradley Beal should be there, where's Carl Anthony Towns? Welcome back. So last night, the NFL Network reported that the Players Association has started telling players that there will be no preseason games this year, as you'd imagine. A lot of teams, a lot of players affected by this. So Wild, let's start with the Chiefs. How would no preseason oh, impact Kansas City? We're set to return, what, 20 of 22 starters from their Super Bowl win? Yeah, well, I know it's still early in the morning, but I haven't heard any dynasty talk today, Jenna. And and they had slated uh, the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Packers before interesting games. Nick, if you guys went 4-0, I, I would say that's a travel-sized dynasty there for you. Little kids menu <laughs> dynasty. Okay. If you, mini if you, dynasty. If you, if you win it all, you get a free ice cream right. at the end. You get another mini oh, dynasty okay. for oh. you guys. Oh, okay. oh preseason well, dynasty. When they win We're the Super Bowl this dynasty. year. They'll be in the midst of a dynasty. We are in the midst of a dynasty, I believe. It's yet to be proven. But I do think this act of, of the teams that this benefits, of course the Chiefs are at the top of the list because we can go back to relatively recent NFL history for a somewhat of a corollary. 2011 offseason. There isn't really one because of the lockout. So what happened? The teams who were great in 2010 were great in 2011. Your Patriots went 14 and 2 in 2010. 2011, they go to the Super Bowl 13 and 3. The Steelers 12 and 4 in 2010, 12 and 4 again in 2011. And Greg Jennings in 2010, your Packers did what? They won the Super Bowl. And in 2011, what was your guys' record, Greg Jennings? 15 and 1. 15 yeah. and 1. You got and so to me, am I am I overstating it? But that the lack of an offseason, it really leads to where you left off is more likely where you pick up? This is spot on. That's exactly where I was going to go, Nick. When you talk about our success after coming off a Super Bowl championship win in 2010 and then not having an offseason and going into the 2011 season, you're exactly right. We were returning almost everyone. We didn't lose much. We had the same offensive game plan. The quarterback knew every skilled position and what they did with defenders on them, without defenders on them. This benefits the Kansas City Chiefs because 20 out of 22 starters 
They all are very familiar with how one another plays. They've been in the fire with one another, and they're going to pick up right where they left off a lot quicker than most teams who don't have those rapports. All right, speaking of a team that might not have the rapport, let's talk some Tua time. Nick, the last time we saw Tua in a game, he was getting carted off the field. That was last November. Hasn't played a game since. How would no preseason impact Dolphins rookie quarterback Tua Tungavaloa, his week one status? It, yeah, unfortunately, no matter what week it is for Tua, I don't know if there's a player in the league that is potentially more negatively impacted by no preseason. Uh, Greg, I, if I'm Miami, I've got to consider allowing some full contact in practice on my quarterback before Tua plays in a game. You can't, it can't be the last time he got hit, his, his hip got broken and he was carted off the field and the next time he gets hit is in his first NFL game. Like I, to me, for Tua, this is brutal and I feel like Brian Flores has to maybe do something you don't normally do, which is let guys in training camp hit his quarterback just so he can get it out of his system, so to speak, Greg. I hear where you're coming from, but absolutely not. Don't touch to it. The more time he has, the better to actually not have the opportunity in the preseason earlier to get hit, to risk seeing him be carted off again. Not saying that it's going to happen, but the more time he has to heal, the more time he has to be away from actual physical contact, the better. And I know it'll be jumping right into a regular season, but it's still more time for his body to heal, his body to get more time to recover and build his own strength back up in that hip. I like, I love this for Tua. It's not ideal, but I love it because of the type of injury he, he endured. Huh. Here's a true story, Jenna. Uh, my first car, Dodge Aries. Nice little car, was an automatic. Never really learned how to drive stick. My dad had a dump truck, and I drove it once. I drove it for like a summer trying to like rake leaves, and you throw the leaves in the dump truck. Anyways, went on a work trip to Germany to go to the Adidas factory and go to the rental car place, and I say, I'll take an automatic. They said, we don't have automatic. You're in Germany, buddy. This is, you got to learn to drive stick. I said, oh, geez, I haven't done this in a while. I'm like, we're going to the Adidas factory for work. I said, well, how do I get there? He said, the Autobahn. You got to take the Autobahn. I said, I don't know how to do this. This is too much for me. That's what two is facing because week one, you got to go up against Bill Belichick, who's 12-0 at home against rookie quarterbacks. So the idea that you're going to start this guy in the Autobahn of Foxborough is not going to work. He should sit, and they should play Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're so scared really of Tua. I really thought that story Wilds would, so would end. Tua. I'm not scared of him. With Wilds in a dump truck on the Autobahn. I can only drive dump trucks. No, I didn't take uh, a How dump about truck. the Patriots plan? <laughs> Cam Newton, our first look at him in what we all know to be a complicated Patriots offense would be in a regular season game. Nick, would no preseason make it more or less likely Cam is the Patriots week one starter? Makes it more likely. Because Stidham needs the reps. If Cam's healthy, you know he's an NFL starter. Stidham needs as many live action reps as possible, and he's not going to get them. And this idea that, well, Stidham's been studying the playbook for a year longer than Cam, it's going to be a new playbook. 
They are not going to ask Cam or Stidham to run what they asked Tom Brady to run. That totally discounts Tom Brady's brain, which is his version of a 4-2-40. It's what allowed the Patriots to get into everything perfectly pre-snap. So, no, to me, guys with experience, this benefits. Young players, this hurts them immeasurably. And Stidham, the last time we saw him in an NFL game, he was coming in for mop-up duty against the Jets, and all of a sudden Jamal Adams is going the other way, and Brady's got to put his helmet back on because all now it's a 16-point game, and it's not mop-up duty anymore. So, Wilds, to me, this makes Cam even more likely to be the week one starter against those Miami Dolphins you're so worried about. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about the Dolphins. And I'm not I'm a little bit worried about Fitzmagic and Foxborough. It stresses me out of hair. But Greg, I, I think uh Cam is the starter. I think he goes the all, all sixteen and Stidham, you know, best case scenario for him and gets another year to to learn behind an MVP quarterback. I don't think this makes Cam the more likely starter. I think it makes him less likely oh. to starter because huh. of everything you guys are saying. He is coming off an injury. I love Cam. I think he's going to jump right in and I think he's going to take over, but they're going to want to see Jared Stidham in some live action when it really matters. And the only way to do that is sooner rather than later. So I think you have to start him. He understands, and you do have some carryover from the playbook. You're not going to completely implement a new playbook now, uh, Nick, because Tom Brady is gone. You're going to have carryover. He's going to be more familiar. And I think this is the only way you go into this season with starting him to see what he can provide, if anything. So then play it out, Greg. Right, then then you have Cam backing him up? We'll yeah, for, for the first uh, week, maybe the first two. Oh, wow. All okay. right, so uh, let's let's get on to what's going on down in Tampa. Brady's first Bucks game would now be against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, a team you guys know this, mostly intact, primed for a great season. How would no preseason impact Tom Brady and the Bucks facing Drew Brees and the Saints in week one? What do you think, Nick? It is a, it is a tough luck loss for Tom Brady. You have your single most difficult road game of the year, your single toughest game at any location aside from the game against Kansas City. It's week one, and it's not only in New it's not it's in New Orleans, obviously. It's not only your toughest road game, it's your most important road game. If you're going to win the division, the quickest path there is to beat the Saints twice, at the very least split with them. So being able to win there in New Orleans would be your biggest win of the season. And the fact that that will be the first time Tom Brady ever throws a live-action pass to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin, to O.J. Howard. Hell, the first time he throws a pass to Gronk in two years, I think this is brutal for him. I think Brady would have taken advantage of the preseason. I think any team with a new quarterback, this hurts you almost immeasurably. And conversely, the Saints... They're just running it back for all intents and purposes. I know they added Emmanuel Sanders, but for the most part, it's the same team they had last year, the last few years, Breeze, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. So, Wilds, for your beloved Tom Brady, I think this is bad news. It's not beloved. He's just, I'm just, I just like the guy. 
Greg, oh, um, what do you it. think about Nick's take on Gronk? I could see them sort of like reverting back to their New England days and, and him le really leaning on Gronk rather than O.J. Howard. Do you buy that? Yeah, I definitely buy that. I think he's going to have to specifically with no preseason. Um, so this is going to be something that, like Nick said, they're going to be behind the eight ball in so many different areas of offense and defense, uh, specifically offense, because you're going to have a guy at quarterback who hasn't seen his guys on the perimeter against press coverage against an opposition like it's going to be completely different and I know people are going to say well they're training right now they are training right now but when you're running a route in a game against a, a different defender who's going to press you who's going to give you different leverage different scheme your route ends up looking slightly different your separation may be different and so without knowing those nuances and tendencies of Mike Evans in those situations and the other guys it's going to take time for them to develop that. It's going to be Brady to Gronk yet again. All right, question for you guys. Does LeBron James have enough around him now to win a title in Orlando? Much more. First things first, right after this. Stories to start your morning now. MLB.com released their power rankings for the upcoming season. Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, Twins, and Rays rounding out the top five. Nick, you bind the Dodgers as the best team in baseball. I, they're my pick to win the World Series, Wilds. I do think they're the best team in baseball, but to me, that top three is head and shoulders better than everybody else. There's, a ma there's not a big gap between Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros. There is a massive gap from the Astros on down to the Twins and the Rays. I don't know where people slot my Royals, but those are clearly the three best teams in baseball wild. <laughs> well, look, if the Yankees can stay healthy, they won 100 games last year, and look at the time people were on the injured list. Stan had 164 days, Judge was 62 days, Sanchez was 32 days. So if they can stay healthy, I think they leapfrog the Dodgers. I'll be rooting for Mookie Betts to have one good year with the Dodgers and come back to the Red Sox, but I'm still picking the Yankees, Jenna. Oh all right, this next one, Wilds, is for you. Cam Newton's oh, still grinding just a little while ago, posting this to the gram. Two Hall of Famers. A jacked-up Cam Newton to a jacked-up Julian Edelman. Cam oh, to Jules great. has a nice ring to it, Wilds, no? Oh, you know what? Two future Hall of Famers, Jenna. Nick, thank you for pointing this out in the break because I actually don't get this on my phone. It goes directly to the digital picture frame I have in my son's room and all of my rooms, including my living room and just on the big screen. So I appreciate you pointing this out. I know this is tough for you because you love Cam and you also begrudgingly love Julian Edelman. So what was your take on this, Nick? Well, well my take on this Tom Brady thirst trap was... I, Antoine, listen, you were a guy that never got on the wrong side of any uh, testing program, but if I'm Julian Edelman and I've got a PED suspension in my past, I might throw a shirt on rather than looking all no. extra jacked up. If I'm at 345 Park Avenue, if I'm at the NFL League office, Antoine, I might be ringing okay. Edelman's phone saying, uh, yeah, no. we need a random test for you today, Jules. That's what I'm thinking. That's no. what I took away from this, No Antoine. way to talk to a Hall of Famer. It's all the it's no, all those rings players. are really heavy, Nick, on. too. Once you have a few rings. Oh, my God. All right, moving all on. Time now, guys. Enough. All the rings, you little... got those are, they have a lot of diamonds on them. A lot of weight to them. Little chemistry lesson. 24 hours a day. Our... It's tough. 
Our friend Enos Kanter tweeted yesterday, the Celtics have the best team chemistry in the NBA, to which Celtics fan Kevin Wilde said, yeah, we do. To which Celtics great Antoine Walker said, who you calling we? All right, Tuan, you buying Enos' claim? <laughs> I think they may have good team chemistry. You got to think about what they're coming from last year with Kyrie Irving in that locker room. So it's probably, you know, everybody's probably feeling good and rooting for each other with, with stuff they went through last year. But but having good team chemistry can be anything. It could be them guys going out to dinner, what they're doing off the court, on the court. I was a part of the 06 Heat team where we won a championship, and we had great chemistry, and it led us to a championship. So it can happen. I mean, you want to have good chemistry if you have any chances of winning the championship. Listen, my pal Enos Canner, Wilds, he's as good at quotes as he is bad at pick and roll defense. Of course, listen, he said they're going to be there till October 12th. He said they have the best chemistry in the league. Like he is, he is part time offensive scorer off the bench, part time full. motivational guru a la Tony Robbins. Like that's his next area in life. So I'm not shocked to hear this from Canter, Wilds. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you not saying this, but the word around the league is that the Lakers actually have the best chemistry, Nick, and you didn't mention it, but like everyone kind of moves as one unit. Reminds me a little bit of the old Boston Big Three. So Antoine, is winning just a, 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 a byproduct of chemistry and vice versa? Like, can you have such thing as good chemistry on a terrible team? No, nah, you're on a terrible team, you don't have good chemistry. Because usually somebody's fighting for a contract, everybody's out for themselves, so. I kind of like what Boston's doing right now. They, they got good chemistry right now. I just tell you that this came from a disaster year with Kyrie Irving, so they feeling good right now. Oh, everyone just killing Kyrie. Well, maybe it's not I even great. Finally not. Finally not. I love this story. On to some hoop dreams. The Greek freak admitted he'd be lying when he said back in April he didn't have access to a basketball oh, hoop during quarantine. Oh, okay, and I didn't have access to a dumbbell. Turns out Giannis did, in fact, have a hoop and is, in fact, still good at the basketball. Nick, you like Giannis's little mind games here? I love this guy so much. I, it, it occurred to me, my three favorite players in the league, are none of them are American-born. Giannis, Nige Nigeria via Greece, uh, Luca, my adult Slovenian son, and LeBron, who's from another planet. I, I, Giannis's ability to, I really, because I, I believed him. You guys didn't I see that I believed Giannis when he said, what, what, Wilds? That was good. I believed I Giannis, and I, I thought maybe he lives in some high-rise, like, penthouse, and he didn't have a hoop. And now he says, no, I had a hoop. I was just hoping people would take their foot off the gas thinking I'm going to be rusty. Like, Giannis, he's come a long way from the rookie fresh from overseas who said he had never tasted a smoothie and it changed his life. Now he's playing mental games <laughs> with the league. I love it. This love is what it. a two-time MVP should do, Wild. <laughs> so so get this. The the the, uh, the intrigue continues. The subterfuge. We can put up the Chris Middleton quote from a few weeks ago, too. Chris Middleton. It's really no basketball for me. Basically, like Giannis said, it's the <laughs> treadmill, the jump rope, some weights, and that's it. I have a couple of basketballs. Yeah, sure, who doesn't? I can just dribble in my house or outside, but no actual goals to go shoot on. This seems like a strategic move by the Bucks, Antoine. If you read these quotes and you said, wow, it looks like the Bucks aren't even playing basketball, do you think you would be like, I guess I can take a break too? No, with these two guys, first with Chris Middleton, you a 50-40-90 guy. 
you shooting the basketball. It's the reason why you 50, 40, 90, because you're getting a lot of reps up. And then with Giannis, obviously, you got to think about it. Giannis needs to always keep a ball in his hand because he needs to continue to improve his jump shot so he can become better. That's one thing that's lacking in this game is being able to be a consistent outside shooter. So they probably were just having a little fun with that. But both of these guys need hoops to be good. Well, we thoroughly enjoyed it, so thanks, guys. On to a bench boost for the Lakers. Veteran forward Markeith Morris was reportedly on his way to Orlando yesterday to join the team in the bubble. Nick, Markeith Morris? Also, Nick, should Lakers fans be seriously worried about the depth behind LeBron and AD? All right, so these are, to me, Antoine, two very different questions. The Lakers have an issue, and it's backcourt depth. I was going over it today. I'm like, all right, forget, like, Markeith Morris, he's played 15 minutes once for the Lakers. Like, the, the Lakers didn't make massive deadline moves or any massive buyouts like the Crosstown team, the Clippers, because unlike the Clippers, they knew they had a championship roster already. They didn't need all this extra depth because their stars take days off and they don't know the rotation, they don't know the chemistry. That's a Clipper problem, not a Laker problem. But when I talk, when you look at their depth, it's like, all right, in the front court, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, then you have Dwight and JaVale, and Markeith Morris if you need him. On the wings, you got Danny Green, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma. That's pretty good. And then the backcourt, I was like, right, oh go. my God. It's Alex Caruso. Uh, dear God, is that okay. Quinn Cook's music? And then Rajon Rondo if he comes back from his hand injury. And so if the Lakers, Antoine, do have a depth issue, the depth issue is in the backcourt, which is going to force LeBron to continue to play point guard probably throughout the entire playoff run. But if Marquise Morris never – listen, I understand if Marcus Morris didn't show up for the Clippers, we'd be writing columns how this can't be held against Kawhi. What are you supposed to do without one of the Morris brothers? If Marquise <laughs> Morris didn't – if Marquise didn't show up for the Lakers, I don't think it, oh, it impacts it that much. But, Antoine, it's the backcourt depth that concerns me. I would, I would agree with that because um, now you're forcing LeBron, who's probably going to be at 38, 40 minutes with a healthy Rondo, Avery Bradley. Now you've definitely forcing them over the 40-minute mark just because he needs to be able to make plays for other guys on the floor. That's why the pickup of Deion Waiters was huge because he can create his own shot. Um, Frank Vogel's going to have to be very creative with how he plays LeBron and AD, maybe you know taking AD out early so he can be with that second unit. Because you got to have find some rest for LeBron. Uh, but it, it does the depth. Markeith Morris, I don't, I don't put him in the rotation. It may be very slim if he gets into the rotation. But now it puts a lot more pressure on LeBron with Rondo and obviously Avery Bradley out just to make plays. Um, we know you got so many guys on the Lakers that are standstill shooters. Danny Green, J.R. Smith, um, Contez Pope. Those guys are not guys that dex it and, get, you know, and make their own play. So you, LeBron has to make plays for them. So... That's where the problem can lie at, but the depth is fine. I think they, they're deep enough, and they got a, they got an X factor. Kyle Kuzma can be a big-time star in this league, and if he plays at the level that he was starting to play at um, before the, the pandemic, then, you know, sky's the limit how good the Lakers could be, but the press is really just more on LeBron more than anybody else because now he has to go over the 40-minute mark just to make plays for other people. I can't believe you said As X factor and didn't mention Dion Waiters. That was a that was a Dion Waiters alley oop that you said X factors like Dion Waiters. Nick, I think look, like the usage rate for um, AD and LeBron are, is obviously top three in the league. Only three teams. What's the, what's the stat, Dusty? 
Teams with multiple players ranking top Dude. 20 in usage rate. There's only three. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Rockets. There you go. But I think Dion wins you a game by himself, Nick. I know you Dion? don't love wow. Dion as much as I do, but it's okay. going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. Okay. It's gonna Listen, happen. I, wow. With no free game, wow. no disrespect to my friend Jr. and to Dion. The reason I didn't mention them is they haven't actually played a single minute for the Lakers yet, and the Lakers are not going to be not relying one. on Dion Waiters to win them a game, Jenna. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to live in one that game. Game. <laughs> it's one game. It's one game. Dion game. game. Mark no, it down. No, These no. guys just want to stress the you Dion out. Game. We gotta go, Antoine. Thanks so much. Stay safe. See you tomorrow, everybody.